And, um, and then just a very warm welcome to Lee, um, who's from the uh, Kerith Community Church uh, in Berkshire. Um, very welcome here today, Lee. And you will say a little bit more about uh, the work that you do there. Yeah, thanks a lot. Good morning, everyone. Well, <laughs> um, my name's Lee, um, and I have been living in the UK for six years now. Uh, before that, I lived in a small town called Warner Beach on the south coast of Durban. Uh, what brought me from Warner Beach to London, God only knows. Um, from the sea to uh, to the city, I, I don't know. I, I'm a surfer, so even that, there's no sea in Berkshire. That's really hard. But um, my wife and I, I was working full-time in a church in Warner Beach, um, working with young people and particularly uh, street kids and AIDS orphans. Um, and I did that for five years. And before that, I was an accountant. Um, I was an accountant until I saw the light. And then uh, I left that behind. But um, it's really good to be here um, on, on the journey up here. We just had an amazing journey. Left early morning, roads completely clear. You know it's a Sunday morning when there is no traffic on the road. Um, and everybody is probably still suffering from the night before. But it was just a really great journey, just seeing, seeing the sun coming up and uh, just really praying for, for, for today. And uh, for me, it's always a great privilege going into another community and speaking. I don't take that lightly. And uh, I just really want to thank you for your warm welcome this morning. Um, I was told to tell you a bit about our church, uh, where I work now. I've been on staff for five years. Um, it's called Kerith Community Church. And it used to be a Baptist church, but um, in the late 70s, uh, it became an independent church. And uh, we, we have 20, 25 staff. It's a, it's a fairly, we gather about 900 people on a Sunday, between 800 and 900 people. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm on the staff as youth pastor, but also I'm site pastor for our evening meeting. On a Sunday, we have three meetings. So when I picked up um, Ben and Stuart, who've come with me, um, ben helps me in the 18s to 30s ministry, and Stuart is one of our leaders in our youth group, um, and he'll be speaking to us a bit later. Uh, when I picked them up at 7 o'clock, our worship team was already at church at 7 o'clock, because we have a 9 o'clock meeting, we have a 9, 11, and a 7 in the evening. And um, and it's always a great privilege, Simon, our senior pastor, always says when we go out and preach to send our greetings. And uh, what we really want to see is the church in the United Kingdom, whether they're Afrikaans-speaking, English-speaking, whatever-speaking, we just want to really see them grow because the church is the answer to the world's problems, because the church is the communicator of Jesus Christ. So um, so he sends our greetings. Some of the things that we do, uh, I'm in charge of the youth ministry as well as our evening, uh, our evening meeting but other things that we do, we help in debt help. Um, we, we have a debt help agency, um, and we have over 150 people on our books in that, just people who are in abject poverty in the UK. It does happen. Um, also, people who have got themselves in debt. It's completely free to them, and uh, we've just seen amazing fruit from that, people just coming in who are completely non-Christian, unchurched. I'll tell you a story. There were a couple um, who actually signed a suicide pact because they were so deeply in debt. And uh, they were going to do it that week. They have a 11, well, at that time they had an 11 year old son. He's now older. And um, we fly, we, we, we sent flyers around the entire town about our CAP Center, Christians Against Poverty. And they got it through the post. And uh, they thought, the, the, the father thought, you know, this is, this is our last opportunity. So he phoned. This was three years ago. They phoned and they said, listen, if this doesn't work, then we'll go ahead. They had already written the letter and everything. And three years on, now they're completely out of debt, and they are born again Christians. And um, and and the the wife actually goes around the country now, just speaking about how God helped her in in this time, and how they went from a place of debt where they were actually going to commit suicide to a pl- place where they have purpose and meaning, and a sense of God working in their life. Isn't that amazing? The things that we do, um, Stuart's been working in it this week. We have a we 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 have a. Um, a respite club for children with learning difficulties and that meets every second Saturday and during the summer we run summer programs and uh, just a whole bunch of kids from autism to cerebral palsy just come along and have a great time and uh, and it's a service that we offer to the community and so we gather about 40 kids every day and we're doing that throughout the summer. It's just really exciting to see that and uh, it's amazing to see what, what is happening in the families who bring their children there because often most of them don't come to our church at all. And you know, that that's what the church is about. The church is about being the light in the world. 
And uh, I was just really excited reading about your aspect on going to the Czech Republic and just uh, how a community can send people out and actually go and speak about Jesus in a different different country. And and uh, God really blesses things like that. And so I just really want to pray for that, if you don't mind. Um, I just want to go ahead. Father, we just thank you for this community. We thank you that you speak so boldly through them. I thank you for the mission that is going to take place in the Czech Republic. I pray for the four people that are going. Father, I pray for opportunities whereby they'll just be able to share your word and minister to people. Lord God, I thank you for a community with a vision that is bigger than themselves. A community that sees that they are not only here in Sully Hole, but you have called them to speak your word into this community and the community around them and this nation and the nations. So, Father, I just pray that you would bless them. Amen. I'm an English-speaking South African. Uh, I was in the army in 1994. Uh, I was the last of the national intake uh, permanent, you know, every year. What was it called? National service, conscription. And uh, I thought, okay, let me just do it. Um, I, I didn't know what I was going to university. And it was an interesting year, but that year I learned how to speak Afrikaans. I, I couldn't speak Afrikaans up to that point. And uh, I won't tell you some of the words that I learned in the army, <laughs> but uh, I learned how to speak Afrikaans. Or the, so I thought. I was surfing, um, what was this, about eight years ago, and it was only myself and another guy surfing. And I just caught a wave, and I was swimming back out, and this guy came, came, came past me, and he said, hi. So I said, hi. And I carried on swimming out, swimming back, and later, about five minutes later, he swam back out, and I said, no, shark, shark. For the English-speaking people in the congregation, hi in Afrikaans is a shark. And so what he was doing was communicating me that there was a shark out there, and I thought he was greeting me. So uh, lost in translation, really. But isn't it true that something, sometimes things are lost in translation? That, um, that, that we actually don't get the entire picture in, in life sometimes. Have you ever had the, you know those 3D pictures? Um, that you see where you kind of squint your eyes and suddenly this 3D image comes alive. Do you know the ones I'm talking about? Um, about 10, 15 years ago, they were all the craze. Every single shop, at least in South Africa, that you went past had the posters in the, in the, shop, in the, in the shop windows. And uh, for a long time, I just kind of stared at them. And everybody said, oh, can you see the starfish? Or can you see the goat? Or can you see the horse? And all this time, I couldn't see it until one day, I learned that what you have to do is you have to squint your eyes and look beyond the picture. And suddenly, this 3D image comes alive. Do you know that? Who can, who can look at those images and see it? Who, who was annoying and did it the very first time they did it? Okay, <laughs> I don't like you very much because it took me about a year to see that. But you know what? Often with Jesus... And with the church and with what God has to communicate today, we don't see the entire picture. We almost have to see beyond. We have to see beyond the picture. And sometimes it's so hard because we get caught up in the whole aspect of what Christianity is about. And Jesus came and died for us. But there is a far bigger picture for us to grasp. It is so much bigger than what we even thought or what we even think and what we grapple with. The whole context of, of that God created the universe. I once heard a definition of God that says that God created infinity and he made it a small part of himself. Isn't, isn't that huge? Isn't that profound? But yet that God who created infinity and the God who made it a small part of himself wants a relationship with you and me. Now that's even more mind-blowing. The fact that Jesus came to this earth, left all of that. In Genesis, it says that the Spirit hovered over the earth before it was created. In John, it says that he was there in the beginning. Jesus was there in the beginning. That he gave up all of that. He gave up the seat of authority. He gave up everything to come down to earth so that we can enter into a relationship with Jesus. He never only came to earth, he actually allowed himself to die on a cross. And then be raised again on the third day so that you and I can have the relationship. You know, so often we don't see the bigger picture. I know for me, sometimes I, I get so caught up in, 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 in life that sometimes you can't see the wood for the trees. But yet if we go back to the Bible 
and we start understanding what Jesus has to say to us and the fact that he has, he has great plans for each one of us, suddenly then we realize that life is far bigger than just church on a Sunday or just work on a Monday or just life in our family. And I'm not saying that those things in themselves are small, but what I'm saying is that God's plan for our lives is far bigger, far, far bigger than what you and I can imagine. And that you are here in this country In this community, not by accident, because God has orchestrated it. That's the powerful God that we work. You know, for God to fulfill a prophecy, what he did was he made Caesar call a census at the time of Jesus' birth so that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Now, if you go back to Isaiah, it said that he was from the line of David and that he would be born in Bethlehem. That God created a man who never even knew who he was, Call, cause a census so that Jesus's, the prophecy of Jesus could be fulfilled. Now that is the same God that works in your life and my life. You guys left South Africa for whatever reasons. And it might have been, and I left South Africa for whatever reasons. And it might have been of our own doing. But you know what? Behind it is a powerful God. Powerful God. That you are here for this particular reason. That I'm here for this particular time for amazing reasons that we don't even know. Last week, I, I, um, I was mad enough to take 78 young people to a conference. And uh, just taking 78 teenagers is just crazy. I, I, before I started working with youth, I used to be completely black. My hair used to be completely black. And uh, now I'm completely gray, well, almost. And, um, but, you know, the amazing thing about working young, with young people is that their faith is so raw. Their faith is, they, they, take, it, they take it for what it is. They, they just take, take the word and just say, you know, that, that's it. So um, I'm gathering around, and this is a conference whereby they're going to be fed. And suddenly there's a person with a, with a cast, and suddenly I see a couple of youth gathering around this person and praying for them, and praying for them to be healed. And everything in me thinks, oh, you know, the human stuff comes inside, and like, does God, oh, I don't know. But there they are. They, they're just praying for this person. That person wasn't healed, but that never stopped them. They went to another girl whose, whose arm was in a sling, and, and they, they just really feel at the moment that God is just calling them to step out in faith, uh, a number of these guys and girls. And they went and prayed for another girl, and her arm was in a sling. And they prayed for her, and you know what? She was healed right there and right then. You know, that's the God that we serve, the God that, that wants us, wherever we find ourselves, to be his light. And his light might just be a listening ear, but sometimes his light is actually taking a faith step and actually doing something that's beyond our own comfort zone. One time I was standing uh, in, in a queue in Morrison's, and uh, I was just watching the, the teller. You know how you just watch people, and, and sometimes you just get the deeper sense of where they're at. And I just really felt that this, this, this girl behind the counter, she must have been about 19, wasn't in a good place. And then I get, I get to the counter, and we get speaking. She said, oh, what were you doing? And I said, I've just come from church. She said, oh, church, really? And then something hit me. I, I received uh, just a strong sense of the fact that she was not in a good place. And then, and then I said, I said to her, can, can I ask you a question? And, and this was risky. I said, I just have a sense that this week you have just lost a significant relationship. And she just burst into tears right in the middle of the shops. Really embarrassing. Cues behind me. I've just made this girl cry and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what, what's happening here? I, I don't know what to do. And, uh, and then, and then she just unpacks that, that she had just found out that her boyfriend had cheated on her and, and her boyfriend promised her all sorts of things and, and, uh, just, it never came, came forward and, uh, and the manager came up at this time because she was sobbing and said, are you okay? Shall I <laughs> escort this person out the shop? And, uh, and what actually happened was she said, do you mind if I take a break? And I went and I spoke to her and I unpacked and I found, I unpacked a bit about what made me say that. You know, I said, I really believe God told me to say that to you. And she, she said, well, you know, I'm not sure about this God thing. And I found out that she lived in a, a, a town about 15 minutes away from where we lived. And so uh, what I did was um, for about a week after that, I just went to Morrison's for whatever purpose. And, uh, and if there were queues, if there were no queues in other, sh- other tellers and there was a queue in hers, I stood in the queue because I wanted to speak to her. And I told her about an alpha course that was happening in, in a local church where she lived. And she went on the Alpha Course and she became a Christian. And, and I really believe that God used me that day 
to be part of her story. You see, we need to allow ourselves to be part of a story. You know, we're all part of history. But you know, it's amazing that, that, that we think of history as the past. But the truth is, is that you and I are part of his story. We are part of his story. Do you know when the disciples walked this earth, they walked with Jesus for three years. And those three years, they walked with the Savior. But still, they never got it. You know, you read about the disciples and you find out that they, you look at Peter, that there were times where Peter had it, you know, you are the Messiah. And then, and then, then there's another part where Peter's talking Jesus out of actually dying. And there's parts where Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And then there's times where Jesus says, you are the rock in which I'm going to build my church. And all this time they're walking with the Savior, but they still never got it. And you know what that does? That gives me hope. Because even though they walked with Jesus, they never got it. And sometimes I don't get it. But you know what? There was a significant moment when the disciples actually got what their purpose was. And it was after Jesus went, went up to heaven. And it was on the day of Pentecost. And the disciples were sitting up in the, in the upper room. And I think we have this idea of grandeur of them sitting up in the upper room and just worshipping. I think they were sitting in the upper room because they were scared. They were scared because of, they were scared because they thought what might happen to Jesus might happen to them. What happened to Jesus might happen to them. But then the Holy Spirit came, and from being quiet and and caught up in a room, suddenly you find the disciples going out and Peter preaching the first Christian sermon. Church began there, and on that day, three and a half thousand were added to their numbers. Isn't that remarkable? And that's the power that God lives in us. And I just want to take a passage that happens just, just after that and just elaborate on that. So I'm reading from Acts chapter 3. It should be coming up on the screen behind me. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Where he, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. Taking him up by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Wouldn't it be great to live a life like that? To actually see a person who is crippled and just know that you have the power of Jesus to raise, to, 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 to actually get him to stand. And you know, the difference between the disciples there, Peter there, and, and, and the disciples before, and Peter before, was the Holy Spirit. It was the God in them. And suddenly they realized, Jesus, Jesus said to the disciples, he says, when I leave you, some, someone greater, some, someone else is going to come and he's going to speak to you and he's going to minister to you and he's going to give you gifts and he's going to help you through this. But, you know, the amazing thing about the disciples, uh, and particularly Peter and John, and why they were able to do this was I just want to take three points out that might help us. The first thing is, is, is that they were rooted in God. They were absolutely rooted in God. Where were they going on the day? They, they were going to temple. They were going to temple. And the reason why they went to temple was to read and read the Bible. And they were absolutely rooted in the word. They saw the word alive, but they were still rooted in the whole fact that they knew that the answers were found in God's word. And what they did was they, they, sought, they, they, they sought the kingdom first. That was the beginning and the end. For them, everything came first. The kingdom of God came first. And you know what? If I'm truthful in my life, sometimes that doesn't happen. 
Sometimes I don't seek God's kingdom first. I, I have an iPhone, and uh, I've, just, I've just made a stand against the iPhone because uh, sometimes I found that the iPhone actually was infringing in all aspects of my life. It was. And uh, yesterday was the first day that I made the stand. I'll tell you what the stand was. That when I come home from work, I switch it off, and I put it in the cubby hole of my car, and then I walk into my house. See, I can't even trust myself to bring it inside the house, because I know that I will find myself switching it on and looking at Facebook or Twitter or looking at my work emails, because this infringes in every aspect of my life. And isn't that true? There's things in our lives that infringe on us. It might be, it might be our work and the pressure of that. It might be even a, a relationship that we're battling in. Or it might be something as small as an iPhone. But let me tell you, this thing, this thing sometimes is from the devil. <laughs> My wife was very happy with me yesterday. She said that she felt she gained a husband again. <laughs> that, uh, that I was not cheating on her with my iPhone. But you know what? It's so easy to seek other things first. It really is, isn't it? so easy to get caught up in the trap of actually finding the answer in something like an iPhone or finding an answer in a relationship. And I'm not saying relationships are bad in themselves, but when we seek the answer first in the relationship and not in God, then there's a problem. You see, because when I do that, when I find that I place my, my, my expectations and my feelings on something else other than God, that's when the wheels start coming off. And that's when I start losing focus. And that's, that's when I start losing the fact of why I was put here on earth. What, what my mission is, what, what God has called me to. And the truth is, is that every single one of us have been called to something. Every single one of us. We've been called to something. And whether that is being a good husband or a wife, or whether that's preaching to millions, or whether that's being the best person you can be at work, whatever it is, you've been called to it. And the only time we can fully live that out is when we tap into the creator of who we are. We need to seek God first. And here's, here's a promise. When we don't, the wheels will come off. They've come off in my life so many times. And you know what? I'm finding the older that I get, the more and more I want to seek God. And I, I'm not sure whether that's an age thing. I mean, I'm only, I'm 34, I'm 34 and, and some people think that's young. My youth think that's very old. But, um, but whatever it is, you know, it's almost as if life experience teaches you. And the more you want to walk with God, the more you want to spend with God. And the more you walk with God, the more you seek Him. And the more you seek Him, suddenly, even though circumstances might not be easier, somehow you just have a greater sense of purpose and a greater sense of meaning and a greater sense of peace. And when we seek God first, suddenly, excuse me, suddenly opportunities start arising that we never thought imagined, that we couldn't even imagine. And you know how exciting that is? Can I tell you that when we seek God first, we will go on the greatest adventure we have ever been on? We will. Why? Because God created you. When there's a problem with something technical, where do we go? We go to the instruction manual that was written by the person who created that something technical thing, that technical thing. And, and why do we do that? Because we want to go to the source of who made it. And then why don't we do that in our relationship with God? Why don't we do that in life? Let's seek God first. And the more we do that, the more opportunities will arise. You know, when we seek God first, we suddenly start living in God's, God's promises. We read in Galatians 5.1 that it is for freedom that Christ set us free. So stand firm then and do not be burdened, burden yourself again with it by the yoke of slavery. And what that's saying is, is that when we walk with God, we have freedom. And we don't have to go back to the shackles that we lived in, the shackles of sin, the shackles of doubt, the shackles of insecurities. You know, when we walk with God, that's what it's about. You know, we also read that God works for the good of all those that love him in Romans 8.28. Romans 8, and then in Matthew 10, verse 7, we actually realize why we have been created. Jesus said this. He said, go out 
and preach the good news, raising people from the dead and healing them and driving out demons. You know, we, we realize and we realize that we feel, or often we feel that a Christian walk is about Sunday, two hours on Sunday or one hour on Sunday for, for about four years of my life. That's how I lived. I became a Christian later on. I was not brought up in a Christian family. I became a Christian when I was 17. Between the ages of 17 and, and, and sort of 19 and a half, 20, I thought that church was just Sunday. That was it. But I realized that church is more than Sunday, and my relationship with God is more than Sunday. It's every single day of my life. And, and you know, we think about the whole context of church, and that's where God's spirit is. No, it's not. God's spirit is everywhere. And you know what? Before you and, uh, you and me came into this building, this was just a school hall, but right now it's church. Right now it's church. Do you know, if you, in, in, in the English word of church, you can't do it in any other language. In, in the English word of church, if you take the CH and the CH away, what are you left with? What two letters are you left with? You are. You are the church. You are the church. I am the church. And what that means is that when I go into my workplace or in my family where, where, there are people, where there might be people there that aren't believers, I am the church in that situation. And when I'm not seeking God first, then I'm not being the real church. But when I seek God, then suddenly I am being the real church. I'm being the bride of Christ. I'm being some, something and someone who can make a difference and is aware that my life is more than just about me and earning money and, and paying the bills. My life is here because God put me here on this earth for a particular time, in this particular place. Why? Because I'm part of his mission. His mission. Isn't that exciting? The second thing I want to draw out is, is everything is spiritual. There's no difference between church and the workplace. I've just gone into that. School, college, everything. In Psalms it says, all things are created by God. Let's not forget that. All things are being created by God. And, and often in life, we love to compartmentalize things. You know, I'll put, I'll put my family in one little box, and I'll put my work in another little box, and I'll put this friendship group in that box, and you know what? That friendship group drinks, but this friendship group doesn't drink, so I'll put them in that box. And, and I find myself with all these little boxes. You know what? God doesn't work in boxes. He doesn't. God likes taking boxes and actually taking them and shaking them up and mixing them up and, and suddenly you find your life is just one big box. Actually, it has no boundaries at all. And, and you know, often when, when we try and compartmentalize things and put them in boxes, we, we, we just we quench the spirit. We do quench the spirit. Everything is spiritual. Do you know what? In this world, there, there, are, there are physical things, but there are also spiritual things. And in the Bible it says our battle is not against, not against flesh and blood, but against the power and principalities. And you know what? When we realize that everything is spiritual, that you and I are spiritual beings, we're not just physical beings, suddenly life takes on a whole new meaning. And there's a definite difference between experiencing life just as a person and experiencing life as a God person. What happens when we take that step from being just a person and going into a God person then we realize, like I said, we're part of this great picture that is beyond our comprehension. Beyond our comprehension. I'm going to call Stuart up now, and he's just going to be sharing a bit about just life and the whole aspect of everything spiritual and just things that have been happening in his life. Hi there. Uh, I'm Stuart. I'm 17. And um, I just want to share an example with you about, um, Lee was talking about how God has a plan in everything. And how things that may maybe like coming to moving country or just going into a school it seems accidental. How it's actually God has He's rooted in it. And um, for me, I was brought up in quite a traditional church, and I didn't. I uh, I received the Holy Spirit when I was about twelve years old, and we went to youth events um, in the summer holidays, and we'd see massive healings going on there, and we'd see like people speaking in tongues, prophesying. And I'd always think, well, that's really cool, but it's for there. It's not really for me. And I'd look at it and be like, yeah, that's really good, and then go home and not really change because of it. And um, one time I went, and I people were praying for people to speak in tongues. And so I thought, yeah, I'd really like to do that. So I d- prayed for it. 
and nothing happened. And so obviously I was quite disappointed, went home, and kind of just gave up on the whole spiritual uh, side of my life when I'm at home. And then about this time last year, we started up a group, just a prayer group really, and it was like um, a group of guys got together and then a group of girls got together as well. And we just pray. And everyone was quite anxious because it's like, I, I pray for about five minutes, you know, and then what do you do after that type thing? Um, but we just got together and we started praying. And then we just, people started getting excited by it. I mean, things started happening. Uh, everyone started prophesying. Um, people started healing. Uh, I actually spoke in tongues like halfway through last year. And it was just amazing things started happening. And then I just want to share something that happened last Monday. Um, last Monday, we were going to have a kind of like a joint prayer group, the girls and the guys. And so we got together. Um, it was only arranged on the day and the day before, and there was only a few of us there. And we, um, we, we were going to go out and do this thing called treasure hunting, which is where you pray for God to speak to you, and you, then you write down things. Like you write, might write down, like Lee said, that um, some, God might say to you, someone's having a hard time so you'd write that down or you might write down a name or something and so we were going to do this and then go out and speak to people and hope God would speak through us to those people but um, just on the spot we decided that that probably wasn't the right thing to do and so instead we decided to start trying to pray for people in the church who might be ill or struggling going through a hard time and so we got a list of name downs a uh, list of names down and then um, out of everyone we rang there was um, oh, one boy picked up um, his name's Alex, and he's um, he's deaf in one ear. And so we went along to his house, there was eight of us, and we started praying for him for healing for his ear. And um, nothing really happened for his ear, but then suddenly he said he felt on fire. He felt like completely just filled up. Has, he kept repeating the word um, energy. He just kept having loads of energy. And his mum came in, and his mum's only just become a Christian. And um, she was just, she was almost in tears at just this happening to him. And his his dad isn't a Christian. And he came in and he was just amazed by it. And so um, then we were talking to him. He was asking questions about church, about um, what, what what it is we're doing, why are we praying, kind of what's the point type thing. And by en- the end of the evening, we stayed there for about two hours. The dad was just, uh, he was so pleased. He, he was saying to us, you don't understand what impact you've had on this boy's life today. Because the, um, Alex, he just doesn't think he has any friends. And then suddenly eight people turn up on this door praying for him. And he was just so happy. And so obviously we went back to the building that we were praying in to begin with. Really happy from that. And then we got another phone call from someone we had rang earlier. He turned up and he had, um, he had a problem with, um, I think it's a problem in his kidneys. And so we were praying for that. And he said he felt real peace in that. And he was with a man who we thought was a visitor who wasn't a Christian turned out he was a leader of um, a massive church in Coventry. <laughs> he started um, prophesying for us. And it was just amazing seeing all this. And then finally, um, finally, we were upstairs. And earlier in the day, um, two men had walked past, one man on crutches and his friend. And uh, we had gone up to them and just asked them if they wanted prayer or talking about anything, not thinking very much of it. And they went off and said, no, no, that's fine, thanks. And then they came back at about 10 o'clock that evening, looked up, saw us still there. And we just went up to us and said, did you actually pray for us? And we were like, yeah, yeah, we, we prayed for you after you left. And he was like, really? Because um, his leg, it started to feel much better after we left. And we were like, whoa, really? <laughs> um, and it was just amazing seeing him. Um, I mean, we, we weren't even necessarily going to meet. And then we decided to get together. And just seeing how we were going to go out and do this treasure hunting thing and then decide to do that. And just see how God works through that amazingly. And so, just like Lee saying how church isn't for Sunday, I'll just say, Keep pressing on that, trying to seeking him and just see what you can do through the week. Thanks. Isn't it amazing that that group that met, there were 16, 17, 18, 19 year old guys. And um, and for me, you know, I guess that's why I love youth ministry because they keep me on my toes because I'm scared about doing that. I mean, just going up to a person that you don't even know and saying, can I pray with you? And you know what? The whole thing about compartmentalizing our lives, it isn't about going out and, and praying for people. It's about just going out and being the light of Christ. You know, sometimes it is just about being there. Sometimes it is just about listening. And sometimes God will put you in a position where he calls you to pray for people. But can I tell you that, that when that happens, can, about this, the group started meeting about, um, about a year ago. And, and, and about a year ago, 
um, our youth started increasing in size. And, and I really believe that that is not an accident. You see, because when people suddenly start realizing that everything is spiritual, that God is with you wherever you go, suddenly God wants to move. And it's not as though God didn't want to move before, but you know what? Sometimes I'm the biggest hindrance in God moving. And, and I hate to break this to you, but sometimes you are the biggest hindrance in God moving. And the question that I constantly ask myself every single day is this. At the end of the day, have I been a hindrance in seeing God move? The conversations that I've had, the, the, the phone calls that I've had, the emails that I've sent, the, the Facebook messages that I've, that I've sent, the text messages I've sent. You know, has God been in all of that? Because when we start realizing that everything is spiritual, then, then suddenly we realize that just what an amazing impact we can have for Jesus. The last aspect I want to speak about is you may not have the answer, but you do have the solution. Now, what, what does that mean? You know, what, we, we may not have the answer, but we do have the solution. It simply means this, is that in life there are a lot of un, unanswered questions. But the truth is, is we always have the solution, and the solution is Jesus. I'm 34, and I have a pacemaker. I got a pacemaker when I was 23 years old. And, and I um, got a pacemaker because when I was in the army, when we were standing on parade, and I, I used to flake out, and I thought nothing of it, just the heat. But then I blacked out more and more and more, and they realized that I have uh, a problem. I'm weird. Um, <laughs> They realize that, um, that when, when, when my blood pressure drops, because when you stand for a long period of time, your blood pressure drops. That's why I move around a lot when I preach, because I don't want to stand in one place for a long time, because I fall down. And, and fun, falling down in church is a funny place, because sometimes people are, oh, you know, it's just the Holy Spirit. But no, <laughs> he's actually dying. <laughs> um, but you know, the, the, the whole, the whole aspect of uh, what actually happens is, is, um, when my blood pressure drops, your heart rate should, heart rate should increase, so circulation happens, but with me, my heart rate decides to go down. And I used to black out about five or six times, and then they decided to put me on a heart monitor for 24 hours, and they found out that whenever I blacked out, my heart stopped. So they thought it would be a good idea to put in a pacemaker. And I really believe in a God of miracles, and I really believe that God, God will heal me, and I pray every single day. And, um, and I had an operation, Last week, I mean last last January, because my pacemaker came out of its pockets, and uh, I went back to the doctor, and the doctor said, "You actually haven't been using your pacemaker, and there's no real reason why you should have it." And so I thought, "Okay, yes, I'm healed." And he said, "We'll we'll look at it again next next year, and we might take it out." And um, last week I blacked out twice, and and suddenly you just think, oh, "Have you healed me, God? What what is this all about?" But I keep on having to go back. I might not have the answer, but I do have the solution. And when I stand on Jesus in those times, suddenly me blacking out isn't a big deal anymore. I mean, it is a big deal, but it isn't. And it doesn't make light of the problems. But what it does is it shows when we focus on Jesus, when we focus on Jesus, what actually happens is we have a peace about the unanswered questions. Because the truth is, if we go around the room today, there will be loads of us who have unanswered questions. Questions that we just, you know, might, might even cause some anger. But the truth is, is when we get into the fact that God is the solution through Jesus Christ, and the questions seem insignificant. This guy was waiting for a different, different answer in Acts He was standing by the, he was, he was sitting by the temple, and the temple is always a good place. To, uh, it, it was a significant place for beggars to sit and people who were not well. And the reason for that is is because they knew that, that according to Jewish tradition, during the week from, 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 from Shabbat to Shabbat, from meeting to meeting, um, Jewish people had to do significant things for people who were not well. And they always sat there because they always knew that, that, that people only remember when they go back to church. <laughs> and so as they're walking into church, they, they get the money. So then that people could put their silver or coins or gold coins in there and walk into church and honestly say, you know what, I did something good for someone. And, um, and so this person, what was actually happening was, was, he was he was waiting for money. And that was his answer. Or that was his solution, rather. But his solution that day came in the form of Jesus Christ. And, and the solution came in the form of a healing. 
But sometimes, sometimes, you know, I really believe that what was more significant to God that day than that person's healing was the fact that that person entered into a relationship with him. You see, that, that was the most significant thing. And, and, and God, God is more, and this is hard for me to say, God is more concerned in my relationship with him than he is about my, my heart condition. He is, because he loves me so much, and he wants to be in relationship with me. And God looks beyond my ailment, and he looks at me as a person. And that God does the same thing in your life, no matter where you are, no matter what situations you find yourself in today or this week or in your life. The most important thing, the most significant thing, is your relationship with God. The Bible says, I can do all things through him that strengthens me. So as we go, as we go into our week, let us, let us be a people who are aware of the fact that everything is spiritual. Let us be a people who are rooted in the word of God. Rooted in God, knowing where our sustenance comes from, knowing that we need to seek Him first, knowing that we need to, in everything, go to our knees and say, God, please help me in this, or God, give me courage there, or God, give me strength there, or God, just, just give me opportunities. Let's be that. Let's be seeing everything in spiritual. And let's realize that, that amidst all the questions that we have in the world today, you and I know the ultimate solution. And that is Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray, and then um, I'm going to uh, yeah, I'm going to pray, and then we'll see what happens. Father God, we thank you that that you thought fit to have a relationship with us. That you took our hearts of stone and turned them into hearts of flesh. That you have our names written on the palm of your hand. Father, we thank you for that. Father, I pray that today that we all might realize that, that everything that we do, whether it's at work or at home in our families or here at church or in our social groups with our friends, everything, everything has been created by you. And Father, I pray that this week we will, we will just enter into a time whereby we will just seek opportunities to, to be your church, to be your bride. Not here in the school hall, but with our friends and in our workplace. And when we go back to school and school or college or university. Father, I pray that you would just allow your Holy Spirit to burn a passion within us that we all realize that life is more than just about me and my family and my immediate circle, but that we are here for a reason and a purpose. Amen. I'm going to call Voter up again, and we, we're going to sing a couple of songs. But I just, I, I, really, I really want to offer an opportunity, um, an opportunity to actually use this time to actually say, you know what, God, I realize that perhaps I haven't been seeking you first in the things that I do. Perhaps I, I haven't in my life been seeking you first and putting you first. Let's allow this opportunity to refocus and seek God first. And perhaps for you, your life is very much compartmentalized. You have different areas and, and you, you walk in different boxes. You know what? Just allow God to come in and mix that all up. And allow God just to, to speak to you in your different areas and help you realize that, that he is there in every single aspect. And do you know what? That he can use you in all those areas. And then the third thing is, 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 is um, for those of you who are bold enough to pray, and I promise you this prayer will be answered. <laughs> you know, there, there are a couple of prayers that God answers pretty quickly. The one is praying for humility. <laughs> God answers that very quickly and puts you in very embarrassing situations. I know. Um, and the second thing is, the second thing is, is pray when you pray and ask God for opportunities to share the share the word. God will give you opportunities. He will. You'll find yourself in conversations where your friends who might not be Christians just start asking about church. Um, I just want to say, um, it's about the choices that we make in those times. 
and it's about what we say and how we say it that makes it turns it into a human opportunity into a God opportunity. So let's hand over to Vota and then um and then we'll sing a song and then um if if you feel that you want prayer for that then I, I'm more than willing to pray for you. Um let's just see where, where God takes us. Okay, I'm gonna change this a bit. I'm gonna ask Krista to sing through the song. So Fritz, don't put it on the on the screen yet. Uh, and we'll just close our eyes and just just in our hearts, uh, just listen to the words that uh, she's going to sing for us on this song then. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence. I'm not, I'm not sure where, where people are at, but the one thing I do know is, is if we want to change, then we need to start today. And if we want to see a change in how God works in our lives, we need to start today. And um, I want to suggest something, um, that if you, if you feel God has spoken to you about changing something in your life today, 
what normally happens in my life is I, I sort of keep that to myself, and then Monday hits or Tuesday hits, and I suddenly forget about it. Uh, but what has really helped me is is when God speaks to me in my life, what I do is is I go and tell someone else, and suddenly there's a sense of accountability there because I say, well, I felt God saying this in my life, and I need to do X, Y, and Z. Um, and and suddenly when you say that publicly. Then, then that makes all the difference. Whether you say that to a spouse or a friend or or someone in this room, um, I really suggest that. And another thing I felt while we were singing that song that often, so so often, um, the the problems the problems seem so big that we feel that we can't make a difference. But um, you know, we feel that we're too small. But if you think you're too small, then then ask yourself this question: Have you ever tried to sleep with a mosquito in your room? Something so small. It keeps you awake all night, you know, and if you, you know, you, you kind of lands on your face or you think it doesn't, suddenly you, you slap yourself and, and then you think, okay, I've got it, and then you start dozing off again and that mosquito comes again and it can keep you awake for hours. And you know what, that, that, that's something so small, but it makes such a significant difference in your life. And you know what, sometimes God, God calls us to be mosquitoes in people's lives and, and uh, I really feel that... Um, that this week, let, let's go out and be mosquitoes. Let's let's make. We think we're small, but we can make a huge difference. And uh, and that's where it begins, and that's where it ends. And the only reason why we can be a big difference is the Jesus in you and the Jesus in me. So I'm I'm not sure what time meetings normally close or finish. Um, thank you so much for 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 being attentive and listening to me. Uh, I always find that amazing because my own voice bores me. So <laughs> so, uh, but thank you so much and. Uh, and I just want to say if you want prayer or if you want to come and speak to me, ask any questions um, or to Stuart or Ben, we'll be hanging around afterwards um, and just love to, to meet you. So thank you very much. Okay, thank you very much, Lee. And uh, uh, I see somebody prompted me, offering. We'll put the baskets in the front and uh, then if you just want to put your offering there as you uh, go out, that's probably uh, the easier way. Okay, so yeah. Um, there's coffee and tea in the front, and if you want to talk to uh, Lee or any of the guys, you want anybody to pray with you, they're quite uh, willing to. I'm quite happy to do so. Uh, yes, thank you very much. <laughs>